the complexity of the choreography, the sheer number and variety of the moves performed by Jackie Chan. It's just up, down, left, right, spinning, turning, jumping. He's, he's off balance, on balance. Uh, different Kung Fu styles, I'm sure, that he, he employed. It just looked like he was just doing a lot of things. It was so creative. And so, yeah, this, this guy's unbelievable. Welcome to the 20-digit scene review podcast, episode 17. I have myself, David, co-host, and Alex. Hello. Every week is like more or less every week. We each choose a scene to review, provide our insights, tell everyone why we love it. And because we're odd... That's you, Alex. You get to go first, so go for it, man. All right. This week, an exciting pick, and, I, and I, as I was reviewing it, I was like, you know what? <laughs> Why not this one? This is a good one. Let's do this. So this is from the film, uh, 1994 film, Drunken Master 2, starring the legendary Jackie Chan. Uh, so because it's 1994, he was born in 54, that makes him, he was almost 40 years old at the time of filming, which... By the way he was moving, you kind of just couldn't really tell something like that, right? Um, this is the final fight scene of this of this film. And I'm not going to bother setting up any kind of context of what happened in the story <laughs> of the film because it's just an epic fight scene. What else is there to say? Uh, and it's one that's really been seen and remembered by, by many around the world. And I remember this scene actually most because... It's just kind of funny, not really for the fighting, but because of the hot coals moment when he goes onto the fire. <laughs> I was like, what? Did he really do that? And I He heard didn't just that, do it once. He did it twice. Oh, yeah. In the, yeah. In the filming of the... Yeah. Oh so God. he wasn't happy with the first time. So he did it twice. <laughs> it's like, let me suffer some more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 we, yeah. The legend is, of course, that he, he did the stunt for real. Uh, he, he wrapped himself in protective clothing, doused with water, but... You really did go on something that was hot and everything. So, yeah, this guy's unbelievable and quite a hero to many. Uh, the antagonist here is um, played by Ken Lo, uh, and he himself is, is a marvel to watch uh, with his, his own martial arts style, the rapid kicks, the flexibility. And what I especially liked about what he did um, in, these, in this scene is, is, is his balance, and, and the, that he displays while he was performing every move, like he's he's flying up and down. He's he's doing circular this and that. He's flicking his uh, he's on, standing on one leg for multiple seconds at a time, doing multiple kicks, and yet he's just totally grounded. He knows exactly where the earth is and and at what angle it is relative to what he's doing. It was, it's really impressive. The the speed and the and the, of the choreography um, throughout is is so impressive as well. Um, and the complexity of the choreography, the sheer number and variety of the moves performed uh, by Jackie Chan. It's just up, down, left, right, spinning, turning, jumping. He's, he's off balance, on balance. Uh, different uh, Kung Fu styles, I'm sure, that he, he employed. I mean, I'm no expert to, to, to be able to enumerate them, but it just looked like he was just doing a lot of things. It was so creative, and there were many... Uh, unusual unexpected moves from 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 reaching up under the the antagonist vest and grabbing his throat <laughs> ripping the vest open uh doing the worm not just once but twice right and uh, the, the break dancing and the 
just even the script writing, uh, never mind the choreography, but the, the variety of the props that were in use with the, the, the hot rods, the, the benches, the chairs, throwing pails and, and classic Jackie what. Chan. Yeah. And the usage yeah. of, of uh, the stage and the set is he's, he's like bouncing off walls. He's up, there are <laughs> platforms in the, in the thing. He's going off the floor it, and just traveling around the, the area of the, the, the locale where, where the, the scene was shot. Uh, the, the use of of heat and fire, where he's he's like spitting out the alcohol and it's just going <laughs> inflaming and 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 it's just wow. This this I you know I just rewatched it you know before before recording and, and it's just still so impressive. You just pick up these things and it's just a delight to watch. And and one last thing I'll, I'll mention is of, of course the you and I will both recognize the Wong Fei Hong melody line. That oh yeah, plays in the so epic! Music. Because of, of course, in this film, uh, Jackie Chan is playing that um, legendary character Wong Fei Hong. So I'll I'll just stop there, and let it, I'm just interested to hear your thoughts, of course, on this uh, epic and legendary. I, this could be a scene on its own. I'm worried that we're going to go over time today because there's just so much <laughs> to talk about. Not only this, but the next. I mean, uh, what can I say? Uh, Drunken Master Two is is a hallmark in martial arts filmmaking. I know that Jackie wanted to do it justice because I think Drunken Master was in the 70s, so this is Drunken Master 2, so he definitely wanted to pay homage in the sequel. And I read that this scene was, and we can verify this, but he took four months of filming. Four months to wow. film this scene. But I think it's it's absurd, but yet at the same time not completely unbelievable, just based on your entire description of the scene. The amount of movement, different choreography that's going on there. I don't is it ten minutes? I can't remember how long the sequence uh, is. The clip's about nine minutes, yeah. Nine nine, ten minutes. Yeah. It's just sensational. Like how do you just have so much involved in that? It, probably four months of preparation right the other Mm -hmm. thing i read about the scene is that jackie was incessant on the details in terms of actual body blows and lands of the kicks and the punches you can see uh, no camera shake no sort of trick camera movements or cuts it's no shaky cam it's you see everything and they're clearly hitting each other (laughs) And I also hmm. read, and it was rumored that there was multiple injuries, maybe minor, to both uh, Ken Lo, who was uh, who was actually uh, Jackie's bodyguard, real yeah, bodyguard I, I at the time. Yeah, yeah. So there was a dedication to this to this scene, his craft. He wanted to make it look real. He wanted the speed to be there, uh, and it's very apparent because the result is nothing short of of spectacular Mm -hmm. it's it's probably top 10 easy of his films and uh, he's a legend in so many ways and uh, he inspired so many different things i mean in the 90s we've talked about this and we keep picking 90s films i think it's kind of funny that we do that but (laughs) 90s when it comes to kung fu films is it inspired everything that came after it it pushed the envelope for action and it changed everything. So the other thing about, I will make one more mention before I give pass the baton back to you, Alex, is that Ken Lo, who is the 
bodyguard. He was a former Muay Thai champion in Thailand. Apparently, he speaks fluent Thai, Cantonese, and Mandarin. So he's 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 for real. This guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I read uh, it shows you, too, right? It totally books. shows. Like he, yeah. like I, I don't think I would have. You definitely don't want to meet that guy. I mean, if he's a real life bodyguard, <laughs> I mean, this guy's legit. He could probably hurt somebody in a heartbeat, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it shows in the core the, everything that they were doing. Uh, and as I mentioned, as you, one last thing, sorry, I said one last thing, but I want to say this <laughs> is <laughs> there was mention, you know, there's a lot of Asians that would say, okay, you know, Marvel, you know, there was no Marvel superhero growing up. And, and I get that, uh, in, in this, in this newer generation, but for us, I'll tell you right now is Wong Fei Hong. Like Wong Fei Hong was, was the hero, right? He was the legend mm-hmm. and he was based on a real person now mind you a lot of the fiction that happened thereafter is probably taking liberties but he was a legend and whether it was jackie in this case or jet lee who immortalized him with his once upon a time in china one and two who by the way donnie yen was also in there and number two just defined an entire generation for many it was he was our he was my hero still is Love that song. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll never forget that melody. It's an anthem <laughs> in itself. So I'll pass the baton back to you, Alex. I know I've probably monopolized. No, no by, by all means, I'm, I'm very interested to, to hear your thoughts. Like, you could just, I wish we could just kind of watch it and just go wow together <laughs> as, as each thing happens. We like, can. There, yeah, because there's just so many little things like, oh my gosh, did he just do that? Or just... You know, the, he's just doing all kinds of things. Whether it's it's uh, circular sweeping on the on the ground, or he's mm-hmm. his his body's like practically horizontal, parallel to the floor <laughs> yeah. as he does like a reaching punch, or That's he's right. got the the head thing was he's, he's like uh, <laughs> spinning the head around. It just the sheer variety and and the even the, even I remember the moment where he he leaps on the um, the henchman guy and he's like <laughs> like a monkey or something like <laughs> wriggling on him. And I like I I practically laughed out loud when I saw that because. Like who thinks of this? He's a human highlight reel. Human special. He's a human special effects, and it will never age, because those are his stuff. Just will never age because it's there's no special effects. It's just people doing crazy, not not even crazy, spectacular things. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other cool thing is just the whole concept of drunken master, right? The whole myth around, well, not myth, but the whole aura around Wong Fei Hong actually was his no shadow kick. He was known for his kicks. So what was he using for his fist? And it was his drunken master. At least that was what we're seeing in the movies. And it's interesting, right? Drunken master in itself is a, a very interesting concept. It's It's that interesting balance between, okay, I drink just enough so that uh, you become a lot more dangerous, a lot more powerful, but the biggest thing is just a lot more unpredictable, right? And so that's where you get the monkey thing, you get the, uh, <laughs> the sweeps, you get the head, head butts, the spinning head, yeah, like it, yeah. it, and using your body, uh, shoulders and the back, and you're just doing all kinds of weirdo stuff. But as a, as a person facing off against someone like that, it's incredibly difficult because you're dealing with someone that is just 
could do anything at any moment. So it's very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Like even but, even for us who, sorry to interrupt, but, but yeah. what, you know, it may we not have ever physically fought, but even in, in video <laughs> games where you're going against, you know, um, veteran after veteran at, at, the, uh, at the arcade and you kind of know what to expect. But sometimes you can go up against a complete noob <laughs> who, who doesn't know what they're doing and they're just button mashing and it can throw you off a little bit, even though you're an experienced player because of the sheer unpredictability of what the heck is this guy? going to be doing you are shedding right. a very a dark secret about our gaming uh <laughs> gaming days of the 90s speaking of which though i don't know if you noticed but a lot of what jackie was doing movement wise is very it was certainly the inspiration for oh i forget his name shundi and virtual yeah, fighter yeah, that's it yeah yes, it yep. was exactly like the the sweep kicks the uh the head spinning head into the chest it yeah, basically yeah. carbon copies of this scene uh, which he took for sure. Yeah, uh, I was definitely thinking of that as well. Yeah. So I- interesting inspirations in many different ways. Fantastic pick. Could talk all day about it. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, though, the best part was his WWF move at the end, though, where he picks him up on oh, his shoulders yeah. and just goes, <laughs> <laughs> that was epic love that finish it wasn't like a kick it wasn't a, it wasn't like some crazy whatever it was a wwf movie <laughs> he picks him up freaking gets up onto a step and freaking just launches him into like a, <laughs> a spinning was, drop or something yeah it was that was the best part was that freaking wwf movie i loved it <laughs> absolutely loved it <laughs> anyway anyway yeah. so I think in the interest of time, let's let's yeah, let's get that one. Let's go on to your team. <laughs> All right, so this is yet another nineteen ninety. I mean, nineteen ninety seven film, a very different film, but just a wonderful, wonderful film. Contact. I mean, it. The ending may have been a bit questionable, but just the lead up was phenomenal. Acted wonderfully. So a few details about it. The movie was actually uh, based on a book that Carl Sagan wrote back in the 70s, believe it or not. Uh, Wrote a film, I think, script or something like that, 100 pages long or so, and tried to get a movie made, uh, but that didn't happen. So he made it into a novel in 1985. And then one thing led to another and then finally got their stuff together and here we are in 1997. Interesting enough, it's directed by Rob Zemeckis, and the musical score was uh, Alan Silvestri, the team behind Back to the Future, amongst others. So there's uh, an interesting interesting uh, team behind that, and the cinematographer was Don Burgess. So a little bit about the scene itself leading up to it. It's a science film, I would say that before Arrival, which was another one that you had reviewed, Alex, before that, probably the closest thing to such a great film story, uh, science-y-ish type movie, is was Contact. I, I felt when I was watching Arrival, I felt con- this, oh wow, this is the same sort of feel as Contact. Mm-hmm. Now leading up to this scene, this scene is basically the first time that Ellie has any evidence of life and everything leading up to that is her just dedicated to her work and struggling working with her superiors 
or others that are trying to fund her research and people questioning on whether or not it should be funded at all. Like it's just a black hole, money pit, nothing happens, incredibly expensive. It's just sort of the classic tale of science and research and how useful is it in the real world. And, and it, <clears throat> this, and it leads up to this beautiful scene uh, because this is the first evidence of her hearing any sort of life form. So I think that if you take the whole, after watching it and thinking about what the script would look like, or even just describing what happens, it's actually not incredibly spectacular. Okay. She hears a signal, they check some instruments and then they, they did, you know, follow by calling everybody uh, to tell everyone, but there is something special about how this scene unfolds how it unveils itself starts off zoomed in on Jodie Foster's character Ellie and it's a slow zoom up to her eyes nothing and you first you hear you know the ambience of the night desert night and then slowly the uh, as, as they zoom you, you hear the crescendo of the static and what's interesting is the usage of sound throughout this and what starts off as a murmur, I would, it kind of sounds a little bit like a heartbeat from an ultrasound, Alex. I don't know what you think, but I don't mm. know if you, and, and then as you know, the dishes are moving and they sort of zero in on the signal a little bit more, it's, it's a very distinct, I can't even, it's a, that's a poor attempt as to what it is. Someone described it as a dishwasher noise, <laughs> but it's, it, it sounds <laughs> yeah. a little bit of a dishwasher noise, but there's certainly some digitalness in it to make it sound, uh, intelligent to some level so i i, I thought the, the the excitement of how she just springs into realization that this is possibly a signal and she runs off and, you know drives off in, in a frenzy it's on the walkie-talkie you gotta love the 90s no cell phones and is is talking to her colleagues you know right ascension 56 hours for 46 minutes or whatever she whatever she says there and that it, it just so frantic and the way that's filmed the way the music just unleashes through that car ride back uh the way the steadicam follows her back uh into you know the, the room of science there the science room it's just done so well and and the script and the acting we got a bogey here bring out the big boy and all those little things are just mm -hmm. It's just an exciting scene for something. If you look at the content again, if you're reading it, it's not really exciting, but they made it. It's just such a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just so chillingly interesting. If that mm -hmm. makes any sense to you. So I, I thought I'd, I'd stop there, but uh, I don't know what you got. I don't know if you've seen this yeah. film, Alex, but um, I don't know if you got the same sort of feel. I have a few other notes to make, but I thought I'd stop just okay. to get your, your Yeah, no, I, I had seen it, but way back right and so mm. my memory is really fuzzy on it i mean but th you know this was on this particular scene let's talk about it so i'll start by saying i got a kick out of seeing all the 90s technology oh yeah i love it eh? right, <laughs> right. The, the the big fat chunky monitors and the rca <laughs> cables and hanging around and the the, the the what looked like 600 by 800 graphics netscape navigator i mean i could go oh that netscape navigator things. was the yeah. best <laughs> I don't mean really, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And so this scene, you know, rich with technical jargon, which probably even, you know, for me, it flew, a lot of it flew over my head. But 
the very event of of alien contact is very very fascinating right yes. it just um even oh. just at a just at a philosophical level or a, an ethical level or all things like that like knowing and actually communicating with extraterrestrial intelligent life because there there are there are they've found biological life like little cells or whatever on on the the moons of of whatever saturn and jupiter and but the actual intelligent life like like us that's just a thrilling event that the very thought of it brings up so many questions right like mm -hmm. where are they uh how, how mm -hmm. long in time and distance did the message have to travel so if it if it went 26 light years does that mean they sent this 26 years ago right. or, or what right 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 and right. how long has have these aliens been where they are how how did they manage to contact us why did they consider uh pointing at a little soul in in in, in earth right to to contact us and then uh, you could see it played out in the scene the concerns on a human level uh, that they have they have to face thinking of who well who are we going to tell whether or mm -hmm. not we're even going to tell or how how are we going to word it if word gets out how will the world respond uh, on political level on on country versus country on is there going to be a race for you know who's going to go uh, bring up the tech and, and and reach out to them first or or whatnot are are they going to fight for it are we going to is one country going to stop another? All these little things that, that are, or big things really, that that uh, kind of come to mind. Will they sure. even be believed if they go tell people? Like, well, that's, oh, that's, that's that was a beautiful thing about that was yeah. uh, even just from a scientific point of view, you see how many things they had to check just to make sure it was real, which was a nice kick. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not an RF engineer by any stretch or an astronomer for any stretch, but. I did understand enough to know that they were trying to verify, okay, is this man-made? Is it local? Mm -hmm. um, they were checking if there was anything within that vector space, uh, whether it be planes or satellites or what have you. Uh, and then at the end, of course, they have someone in Australia pinpointing exactly where it's coming up from. It's from the Vega system. And, and they were tracking and recording it. And, and the frequency was exactly the same as what they had set, what they had, had seen. So it's just, and the, and the amount of, uh, checks that they're doing even just internally was was okay yeah, you know how are all satellites recording this uh, okay we've got one that has some a couple that have bad drives so there, it was just interesting just from a scientific point of view too how there's just so much they need to care for in order to validate that this is real and she's right the character was right Ellie or Jodie Foster's character there that you get it wrong you lose your credibility you're done it's just like that you're done like it, it yeah uh, you have yeah. to be sure uh, so one of the other things that's really interesting is that this thing's coming from the Vega system. Now the Vega system um, is one of the most important stars next to our sun. It's close, as you said. Fifth brightest in our night sky. I think the second brightest in the northern hemisphere. Uh, and it's thought to have no planets for a long time. And this is kind of iterated here. But what's interesting, I think in a paper published this year, this year, is that a 10-year study was done on the Vega system, and they just concluded that based on the radial velocity of the star, that there are planets orbiting that sun, that star, mm. which is really interesting. Now, it's yeah. pretty close, but I just thought it was, <laughs> you know, just given the fact that this movie is saying that there's uh, potentially yeah, something yeah. from that system, and then... Here we are, <laughs> many years later, and there's there's evidence now that there's there are planets and probably more. They, 
So it's it's interesting the science in itself, and I'll put the link uh, on the published paper that talks about it nice, uh, nice. of how they um, how they concluded this, or at least uh, their their hypothesis based on some of the science there. And uh, for those that are interested, that I, I can I'll I'll put that link in there. So I thought that was interesting to know. Okay, yeah, yeah I had I had made a bunch of um, other notes here, and I'll try not to to consume too much time, and I'll, sure. I'll put what we can into the into the show notes, but. Um, there was just so much going on, like in the once they got to the, I guess, the office or the station or whatever you want to call it. There, like, there's so much uh, paraphernalia, equipment, mm-hmm, and things like mm-hmm. that. That from time to time, I just kind of paused and and looked around <laughs> and stuff. Right. But anyway, a few things I wanted to note to that might be interesting for for our listeners is when she was driving from the uh, from the satellite area. Um, the camera moved into like the oh, yeah. follow cam moved into such a position that you could actually they they portrayed her face being shown in the rearview mirror at the same time that she was on, and I thought, well, wait a second, the geometry for that doesn't kind of make sense. <laughs> um, and I, I you know I, I ignored it for for a while, and because you know you're driving, you're supposed to be able to see the rear of your vehicle, and so and you don't see you know your blind spots are off to the side. So why would why would that ang- uh, narrow angle pick up the camera, which was kind of like. 30 degrees anyway uh, but at the 142 mark I, I got confirmation because what you can actually see is the angle of her hand in the main scene is different from the angle of her hand in the walkie-talkie oh interesting in oh that's so interesting. they must have just cg'd something into the mirror because probably what was being shown in the mirror is just the zipping scenery going flying really fast and the, the director probably thought or the cinematographer. Hey, that's really distracting. Can we just cover that up with something? Oh, that's interesting. No. I'll have to take a look at that. That's that's yeah. a nice well, pickup. Look again, one forty-two on the, uh, huh. on the in the YouTube clip. Cool. So uh, another thing I noticed was that there's a few times where um, okay, so obviously the the whole second half of the scene is about the pulses, right? But the time that they're they're the the pulses stopped. If you as a musician, if you pick up like uh, the tempo of it. The actors actually stopped too early relative to when <laughs> the pulse is supposed to have stopped. Yeah, because if it's going yeah. tick, tick, they, right. they stop before the next missing right, 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 right. happens. And so, wait, you guys aren't supposed to do that yet. <laughs> anyway, we get what they're, what they're doing. Um, another thing was that um, same similar thing when they're writing down the, the, the prime numbers, right? And then they count one, two, three, four, five, six, and then seven. The seventh pulse happens, and then they just quickly write down seven. It's like, wait, you're supposed to wait till the eighth one didn't show up like so <laughs> That's quickly. Right. So the actors are a little bit, I guess, you know. It is what it is. Detail. I mean, as I think we kind of get it in the excitement and <laughs> yeah, everything else. Yeah. The technicalities, and I'm sure there's, there's um, a lot of errors here and there. But uh, one yeah. thing that you reminded me of was. Uh, so the music is quite frantic leading up from her car right in. What was interesting creatively is that they stopped using music in the second half of that scene and was allow- and they allowed the characters and the moment to carry uh, take over, really. I thought that was interesting creatively, uh, which is typical, I think, it's uh, even from a music perspective. They don't, they don't try to overproduce that. But I mm-hmm. thought that was an interesting creative choice. The use of pause, and I've mentioned this many times in other in other episodes, how it's so important. And in this case, they actually use it. You know, it's called theatrically, to kind of go from just a random a signal to the to actually uh, a signal with intelligence. In the case of uh, broadcasting the prime numbers, but it was very effective uh, from a from a cinematic point of view, where it stops yes. and they stop, 
they change the angles. It goes to a side profile of, of um, Jodie Foster's character coming in and then going up. Yep. And then it starts up again and it just... Pauses are beautiful, whether it's for... Absolutely. For for filmmaking or music even. And you see it a lot now, especially trailers. It's not just a continuous stream of just music. They use that pause beautifully to... Yeah, provide emphasis on the before or after uh so really well done here in this case yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple other blips um i noticed is that they were they were counting off the, the prime numbers right and so i go i was listening to it like okay there's nine there's 11 but by the time they got to 13 they actually broke the pattern they just kept doing the blips they didn't do 13 and then 15 <laughs> and, and 17 and so on so like i caught you there too um one last thing uh no you know what i'll i'll save that for the notes it's probably a little too cool all right but yeah no but that's um that's that's uh that's all i wanted to say about this one i mean it was uh i just felt it was a a very thrilling scene and it still gives me chills a little bit to to watch it again and it's just a Mm -hmm. a nice moment i thought it uh that's why I, i brought this one for this episode i think they um they probably had a human being making the noise, like triggering the noises. Probably. Because I um, I actually ch- geeked out and checked with a metronome just because I wanted to see what, <laughs> how frequently. It's it's in the area of 60 beats per minute, right? But the thing is, it, mm. it's not consistent. It goes from like 58 to 64 to the yeah. thing. And it's it's faster earlier than, than later in the scene. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, you probably had. It. But it's interesting to think like, why wouldn't they use a computer to just have a 90s. very... Rhythmic. The 90s. Yeah. It's okay. the 90s. <laughs> Probably easier okay. just to have a, someone do it, right? Who knows? Who knows? It's yeah. it's also clipped and edited together, so who knows? There could be... Uh, yeah, fair point. Maybe that's part of yeah. it, too, actually. It's yeah. hard to, to make that consistent across. It's probably the least of their worries, to be honest, when filming. <laughs> they just... <laughs> yeah, if you if, if you don't notice that, it definitely it, it, the, the scene had, had full impact, full points for sure. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for bringing this. Uh, I, I, I have to imagine we're over on our record, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it was a pleasure this week. And 17 strong and 18 next week. So looking forward to that. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care, everyone, and as always, take a look at our show notes. If there's any recommendations for scenes, let us know. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. You can email us at scenereview at 20digit.com and find us on YouTube by searching for 20digit productions. And we're 20digit on Twitter and Instagram. Note that our website and all our online IDs are spelled with numbers, 20-D-I-G-I-T. Thanks for listening to the 20-Digit Scene Review Podcast.